0: Amen. Happy Father's Day. Open up to Luke chapter 5 now. Luke chapter 5, verse 27 is where we're going to begin. After these things. Stop right there, eyes up here. There's always an after these things. Luke's telling the story of Jesus Christ. And he gets to this particular point. He's like, that's noteworthy. That whole after that, what he did right after that, that was noteworthy. There's always something next. There's always something more. There's always something additional. And I don't know about you, I'll speak for myself, but sometimes in Christianity, I'm not always looking for the next. I'm kind of relying on the last. I've done a lot. I've been here, done that. I've participated in many things, and I'm not always anticipating after that, this happened. This happened. And then this, and then this, and then this, at least as it pertains to the things of God for God's glory and his kingdom. I've been doing this now for 18, 19 years as a solid, dedicated, set-apart believer. And there is a proclivity, a temptation in me and possibly in you to just slow down. You know, I've got a few things in order, you know. Got a, got a spouse, got some kids, got the mortgage, got the house, got some stuff behind me. I've got a photo book of some stuff. You want to see my photos? Want to see what I've done? The Lord's like, what about after that? you talking about after that and there's a the Bible says that as we grow not to grow weary in well-doing why would it say don't grow weary in well-doing because you're going to grow weary in well-doing the Bible says to strengthen the things that remain why does it say strengthen the things that remain because the things that remain are getting weaker The, 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 the tendencies to just to do less hit coast Jesus models something completely different he says guys I'm only here for a short time and after I did the paralytic guy miracle and after I did the leper guy miracle and after I did the demoniac guy miracle and after I got kicked out of my home church there in Nazareth miracle and after I battled Satan in the desert for 40 days miracle after that I did this and then I did this and then I did this this is so imperative for you as a believer here that while you got a pulse to rightly invest that purpose what in the world am I doing here still how do I maximize my influence? How do I maximize my life on earth, my footprint spiritually? Is it going to leave an impact in somebody else's life? Jesus models that. Yet again, the tendency is just to whew, not go as hard in the paint. And I'm saying all that to myself this morning, just so you guys know. This is kind of a pep talk for me to teach this portion of scripture. It's kind of just talking to myself right now. I don't know why you guys are listening. <laughs> One time I ran a marathon. Don't ever do that. It's horrible. It's horrible. And I I, I trained and trained, and and I was running the Portland Marathon. And when I rounded the corner, I was just counting down the the miles. And I got to mile 26. Now, a marathon is 26.2. But when you're in the marathon mindset, you just kind of forget all reality. And I was just trying to get to 26. And when I rounded the corner, there was the 26 mile marker. And guess who was at the 26 mile marker? Nobody, because it's not the end of the race. And I thought it was. I was like, mile 26. Where is everybody? I gotta keep going. You know, I was like, "Keep going! You're not done yet, bro. You got .2 miles left. I'm not joking, you. That .2 was horrible. <laughs> I was done. I had get my. I've given myself 26 miles at .2 <laughs> <laughs> knees and everything. Listen, there's a temptation in Christianity to just stop running, to not go hard in the end, to not continue. Not go further, not not ask the Lord every day, Lord, what, what are we doing today? Is there more? It's a simple verse, verse 27. After these things, he went. You see, the goal of reading the Bible, every portion, and studying it, is that Jesus Christ would become your hero. Every single portion of scripture, whether it's Daniel, whether it's Jonah, whether it's the book of Acts, that we would learn from Jesus. Do you guys know this? That Jesus Christ is not just the Savior of the world. How many guys are stoked He saved your soul? You guys are stoked the next day that Jesus came and he conquered and he went back to heaven. <laughs> saved. But Jesus, when he got here, he didn't just show up and march right to the cross. Instead, he modeled life. He went to the cross. Listen, so you and I could die right. Okay? There's two ways to die one with Christ, one without. Okay? One's right, one's very wrong. Okay, you're all going to die. Okay, 10 out of 10, die. You can Google it later. But if you die with Christ, you died right. That's important. I hope you leave here today with Jesus. But listen to me. I don't want to just die right, although I do. I want to live right. I want to follow the the leadership of Jesus Christ and see what he did during those three years of ministry. Even anticipating the 30 years prior to his three years of ministry. How How did he live life in community with others? How did he process He didn't just only come to save the world, although he did. He came to be a model, to teach you and I while you're here, not just to coast, not just to do less, not to pull aside and to create your little Bible bubble, your holy huddle us for no more theology, but instead to get saved and get others saved, to be involved in the work. I'm going to read a few verses here and then just kind of get into it. I'm going to read three verses. It says that after these things, he went out and he saw a tax collector named Levi sitting in the tax office. And he said to him, no new taxes. Well, that's not what he said at all. That's not what he said at all. You crazy people. No, he looked at them. And you guys know tax collectors aren't our favorite kinds of people, right? In that day, they weren't their favorite kinds of people. In our day, they're not the favorite kinds of people. As a matter of fact, there are two unique divisions of people that don't like taxes, okay? Two unique divisions of people that don't like taxes, men and women, okay? That's a unique division of people that don't like taxes. Am I right or am I right? I mean, come on, give me a break here. In, the, in that day too, 2000 years ago, tax collector Levi, Jesus, just pinch yourself, has at least four disciples. Not the 12, maybe he has six, we're not quite sure, but he has four, Peter. And Andrew, brothers, fishermen. And James and John, brothers, fishermen. And he's walking through town. He's not at church. He's not in the temple. He's just going to Starbucks to get a flat white, doing something normal. And he looks over, and he sees Levi at the tax booth. Now, these four fishermen are like, oh, that Levi. Man, we have been paying taxes to him. He has taken us over the barrel. He has taken our stuff. This guy and Jesus is like, let's go talk to him. And they're like, no! No! We're not going to use a follow. Then he gets to Levi. They're like, okay, you're going to go rebuke Levi? Go put him in his place? Instead, Jesus says, Levi, won't you come join the team? <laughs> if you're already on the team, you're like, time out. Technical fail. Stop. Jesus, you don't get a drive anymore. You can't just be calling people like Simon to the team, to the inner squad. Unless, of course, Jesus is doing a couple things. He's modeling what it looks like to be a Christian. Jesus would say something profound many times. As I have been sent, so I send you. In Acts chapter 1, he would say, now you are to go be my witnesses. You're, you're to go do what I've done. You're to go in, in, in my stead. I showed you some stuff. Yeah, I paid the whole way. All of your tuition is paid for. Ah, now go through the classes of life doing what I did. Teaching, learning, serving in the same ways that I did. He goes and he says to him, follow me. Look at verse 28. So he, that's Levi, left all, rose up and followed him. Then Levi gave him, that's Jesus, a great feast in his own house. This is a house party, okay? This is a house party where you invite Jesus Christ over And all your heathen, renegade, neck tattoo, beer drinking friends over To meet Jesus as well Because you're Levi the tax collector You are an immoral, unjust person With a bunch of immoral, unjust friends And you just met Jesus And the first thing you think of is let's have a party Who doesn't want to have a party? Jesus is like, I like parties I like parties, let's have a party And they have a house party And all these people come over How are the religious people going to handle it? I don't know. Look around. How are you guys handle it? Here, here's what it says. Well, then Levi gave him a great feast in his own house, and there were a great number of tax collectors and others who sat down with them, and their scribes uh, and the Pharisees yeah, complained against his disciples, saying, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? That would actually be a great question to ponder. What are you guys even doing? What are you doing? Jesus, why are you doing this? There's a bracelet that used to be worn by a lot of people. What would Jesus do? Jesus went to the tax collector's house to party with sinners. Why was the question? That is the very good question. He didn't go there to overeat and overdrink, okay? Just so you know, he didn't do either of those things. They were, they may have, people still do. Jesus did not. And yet Jesus was in their midst, not to be changed by them, careful Christians, missionaries, Jesus went into their midst to change them. They were the ones who needed a physician. As a matter of fact, they asked the question, so Jesus asks them a question. Look at verse 31, and then we'll begin the study verse by verse as we do. Verse 31, Jesus answered and said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Just pinch yourself for a moment this answer. The religious yahoos, the ones who are proud of themselves, figured a few things out, holding weights of oppression over other people. Jesus, why are you so fun? Why are you so generous? Why are you hanging out with them? Jesus, with a tear in his eye possibly, these people are sick and I'm a physician. Nobody scolds a doctor that is surrounded by sick people. Okay, you see a doctor, he is supposed to, she is supposed to be surrounded by sick people. Jesus went to those who were on the outside looking in. Now here's the irony of the question. Why are you hanging out with sinners? Do you realize that even these righteous guys, the Pharisees and the scribes, they were sinners as well? There is none righteous, no, not one. The difference between the Pharisees and these crazy people was that the crazy people knew that they were Sinners. The righteous, religious, scribes and Pharisees, rabbis and Sadducees. <laughs> I was a sinner once, but I dealt with that. <laughs> and Jesus is like, really? So you don't need me? Yep, nope. Got it. Figured out. Matter of fact, we'll probably just kill you in about two years. <laughs> really? So you're, you're good, righteous people. Yep. Okay. Sure. Yep. Positive. And Jesus then would go to those who knew their own inadequacies knew their own problems I believe it's a revelation for a righteous -righteous, self-righteous long-nosed sin-sniffing religious person to come to that point in their life where it's them who are saved by grace and not works lest they should boast because they've probably been boasting And when that happens, when those eyes are opened up, those people, too, receive the doctor's medicine, the healing. Yet in this text, Jesus says, hey, let's assemble the 12. Let's get the team going. We've got some fishermen. They know how to fish for men. They're going to be disciplined. They're going to take orders. They're going to work hard. They're going to know how to follow. They're going to be great. My fishermen, let's get a tax collector on the team also. Time out, Jesus. Do you know the implications of getting this guy here? Now, in those days, there was corruption. Never changed, okay? There's still corruption in taxes. In those days, though, to be a tax collector, you were a national who worked for the nation who had taken over your nation, so Levi was a Jew working for Rome, okay? He's got a couple strikes against him right there. He's he's joined teams with this Roman oppressive nation, and he has decided to then give Rome taxes as his employment, and the way they would do this is they would tax regents a certain dollar amount. And then you as the taxer, the tax collector, would tell Rome, I'll get this certain dollar amount for this region, then you would go to businesses and individuals and tax them until you reached your, your base amount, and then everything you taxed above and beyond that would be your vacation homes, okay? Everything you taxed above that would be your cars and your yachts and all your stuff that you afforded for yourself, and so there was much abuse and much wealth as being a tax collector. So not only was he doing his nation a disservice by taking their money, but he was also doing his nation a disservice by serving another nation that had no purpose in improving the life of the people at Jerusalem. Now here's the deal. Jesus is our savior and I'm very thankful for that, but he's not just a savior, he's also a missionary. See, he left heaven, was born on earth to live not just to die for the sins of the world, but to also go and to seek and to save the lost. He's a missionary. We just sent some to Cambodia 20 hours, and those are our missionaries right now, but this whole area is full of missionaries here that are probably not going to go to Cambodia. As a matter of fact, most of you in here are very normal, okay? Settle into it. Okay? Very normal.' You're probably not going to do a lot of super crazy, awesome things the rest of your life. But you're going to do what Jesus is doing right here this day. Normal stuff. What's he doing? He just went outside, walking by the tax collector's office. Hey, there's somebody right there. Let's get him. You're going to leave here today and do very normal stuff. And by God's kindness and guidance, God's going to lead you into divine appointments with other people. You may go to Cambodia. You may be on the worship team one day. You may be called to be a pastor and be in the ministry. Real small bit of us are going to do that. The Most of us, though, are just going to be the hands and feet and the fragrance of Christ everywhere we go. One time my wife and I went to Fiji back in 2003 or 2004 with Luis Palau. Uh, I took my wife and two other girls from Ashland and we got into the main city there and then they trucked us into the outskirts and they dropped the four of us off in this remote village with no electricity, uh, barely any flowing water and all the rest and we ministered the Jesus film in all these individual places and they actually allowed us to go into Hindu schools and bring the Jesus film in the Hindi language and they're like, yeah, missionaries are here. You, guys can, you got a movie to play? Bring it in. And we're like, it's about Jesus. <laughs> (laughs) let us in. And my wife gave her testimony in front of this big school. It was awesome. Now, if you ever go to Fiji, you should schedule yourself a couple days to enjoy the blue water and white sands while you're there. That's what we did. And so we gave ourselves three extra days. My wife and I sent the other girls home and we just said, let's go to the Beachcomber Island, okay? Right around where they filmed Castaway with Tom Hanks and all the rest. And we just rested. We were kind of beat up living in the outskirts and my wife picked up a real bad bronchial virus from sharing the Kava Cups with all the tribal leaders and all. I'm not joking, it was nuts. And so we just rested. We weren't really in our high missionary mode. But you know what happened at Beachcomber Island? The Lord was there. There was these three guys from Australia, from New Zealand, one of the two. I can't remember. But anyways, they were there. And two of the guys were just partying hard and having a great time. One of the guys, though, something was going on in his life. It was as if the Lord was ministering to him. And all of a sudden, these two young people from Ashland come over there, and they're in the spirit. And he starts asking us questions about our trip. And every day he would meet with us and ask questions, and you could just see this hunger and this yearning, and as we left the very last day, he stayed one more day, we gave him a Bible and prayed for him, and as we left on our ferry, he was on the beach just crying, weeping as Jesus was changing his heart. Guess what we were doing at Beachcomber Island? Normal stuff. We were done being missionaries, we were just there in the spirit, and the Lord was using our normalcy to change someone's life forever. His name's Rodney, you could pray for him. I don't know where he's at today or what's going on, it's been about... 12 years or 13 years. And I'll tell you what, God is going to use you as you move forward in your life doing normal stuff. <sighs> Jesus said, You're going to be my witnesses. I'm sending you even as I was sent. Now, Jesus for sure uh, went to church, and he did synagogues and temples and did spiritual stuff. But he also, if you would, would go to the Beachcomber Island just to rest and relax. And while he was there, he would be proactive. Look at verse 27. After these things, he went out, and he saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax office, and he said to him, follow me. Now, the leper sought Jesus. The paralyzed man was brought to Jesus. The demoniac man was at church and yelled at Jesus. Everyone has been around Jesus. Jesus now on purpose pursues this man. <laughs> and we will never understand how countercultural this would have been. He's picked four fishermen, okay, makes sense. But now he's picking this guy an immoral, unjust, untrustworthy, unwanted person. Why would he do this? For Levi's sake, for the disciples' sake, for the Pharisees' sake, for our sake. So we would know the very heart of God. Jesus came to save, yes, but he also came to model to show us, to pursue. Back when I was 19 years old, I lived here in Newport, and I had no real desire to seek the Lord. I knew God, and I knew the truth, but I was doing my own thing. You ever been there before? And while I was doing my own thing, a woman came and approached me. I don't want to embarrass her, so I'll just give you her initials. Her initials are Barb Wright. <laughs> she approached me at age 19. And she pursued me and said, hey, I need a, I need a leader up at this camp. And I know you do love God and you're of age. Would you consider doing that? And she pursued me. And I took that opportunity and God changed my life. When I went to Camp Malibu, God changed my life. When I was up at Camp Malibu, there was 10 minutes of silence. Angie Halverson went into prayer. And as she was praying, God put on her heart Titus chapter 2 and then said, this is what Luke needs to hear. And she came over to me and pursued me and said, Luke, you need to read Titus chapter 2. God's doing something in your heart right now. She pursued me. Ultimately, I'd moved to Ashland, Oregon. When I moved to Ashland, Oregon, there were people in my life that would pursue me, that wouldn't just let me through the cracks. Before I moved there, there was a family here in Newport, Artie and Marty Heinrichs, and Artie had a vivid dream about me being in the ministry, and it woke her up and freaked her out, and she made her husband pursue me at the Newport Foursquare Church and tell me, I think God's calling you into ministry, and I shook it off as hard as I could. And when I moved to Ashland, there was a guy named Matt Rudazil there who pursued me and put his hand on my shoulder and said, would you consider helping out the high school youth group? And there was a man there named Jeremy Haskell who pursued me and asked me to participate in the college youth group. And there was a woman there named Patricia Berg who's in heaven right now who pursued me and asked me if I would participate in missions to Honduras. And I got to go three times in less than a year. And as I recall these people, they went out of their way to get into my life. Whether it's Jeremy or Matt or Patricia or Barb or Artie, I'll be honest, I was a little bit like Levi in each one of those cases, doing my own thing. One foot in the world, one foot in Luke's agenda, one foot maybe for the Lord, and people came over and said, hey, why don't you get involved? Why don't you come over here? Why don't you help me out? Jesus models that. Did you know it's going to reciprocate it right away? Levi. Jesus comes over and says, follow me. Simple words, follow me. Levi's like, can I bring all my friends? Jesus like, that sounds great. You're inviting me into your life. You're pursuing me. Can I pursue my friends now in Jesus' name? This is the way Christianity works. He's so impacted, so deeply touched by Jesus. By the way, look at verse 27, the red letters, if you have a Bible like mine, the very last two words. Jesus simply says, follow me. I like this. It's really cool to me because what Levi was doing was unjust and immoral and sinful, He's not doing what he's supposed to be doing. So what does Jesus do? Does he go rub his nose in it and lead with that? Bro, you got to figure it out. You got to cover that up. You got to cut that out. You got to knock this nonsense off. Jesus doesn't lead with that. You know what he leads with? Get to know me. Get to know me. If you get to know me, it's as if Jesus believes that getting to know him, follow him, fall in love with him will lead to a life that is cleaned up and things dealt with. It's as if Jesus believes that if you taste and see that the Lord is good, blessed is the man who trusts in him, Psalm 34, 8, that when tasting and seeing that the Lord is good, you'll deal with your junk. It's as if God believes that. See, the world, religion, the world around us, men and women, we want to believe that we need to clean the fish before we catch it. Okay, how's that working for you? I got all kinds of people that need to know Jesus, but they're so messy, they never will. Trying to get them to do... Fix their stuff and deal with their stuff, and then I'll introduce them to Jesus. Really, good luck. Clean the fish before you catch it. Okay, okay, that's interesting. That's not what Jesus shows. Jesus grabs a very dirty fish and says, "Hey, would you be part of my inner squad?" (laughs) This guy had he had no resistance to this invitation. He knew his life stank. He knew he'd made decisions. He knew he was off the rails. He knew he had nowhere forward to go. And Jesus says, you're in over your head. You want to follow me? You're too far gone. The Romans will disband you if you quit right now, and they would. The Jews have disowned you, and they have. I'm your only hope. You want to come with me? And he said, yeah, I'll, I'll follow you. See, religion says, clean up, and you may be accepted. Jesus says, you're accepted in order that you can clean up. Jesus invites you to come unto, you, unto me who are weary and heavy laden, all jacked up, and I'll give you rest for your soul. That's the gospel. Jesus is showing us how it looks, friends. So that way, when we live our days in Lincoln County or wherever you're from, you would see people who are on the outside, who are down, who are out, who are messed up, and say, do you know, do you know Jesus? That's the big idea. Not where do you fall on the spectrum? Not what's your opinion here politically? Not, not where you believe this hot topic button. Everyone wants to talk about hot topic issues. I just want to talk about Jesus because Jesus will work all that out. My mom and dad, before they were, my mom and dad were renegade hippies. And my dad had hair down beyond his back and mom did too. And they were on the run. They were drug growers and drug dealers and they moved from Minnesota to Oregon and they were kind of running from the cops at that time and things were going weird in Minnesota and when they got to Oregon they found a, a place called Sunapee Farms. Okay, Sunapee Farms was a a hippie commune for other like-minded hippies. The only thing they didn't realize is that Sunapee Farms was run by Bill and Joyce Mentor, who were Christians. And they had this ploy to love people right where they were at and invite them into their home and take care of them and introduce Jesus to them as they were. Now, my dad was a bona fide dope fiend at this point, living at this guy's farm. And Bill Mentor, kind of a suit and tie guy, kind of a normal dude... Pulled my dad aside and told him the gospel about Jesus Christ. Now he died for your sins and loves you and has a plan for you. And if you'd give your life to him and let him forgive you of your sins and live in your heart and lead your life. And he asked Joe Frechette, my dad, do you want to accept Jesus Christ into your heart? And my dad, my dad said, I do, but I don't want to quit doing drugs. (laughs) My dad's just kind of a funny guy. I don't want to quit doing drugs. And Bill, mentor, said, that's not what we're talking about. I, that's not the issue, your drugs. do Do you want Jesus to be your savior? Do you want him to be your Lord? Do you want him to pay for your sins? Do you want to invite him into your heart right now, Joe? Do you want him to live inside of you and take care of you until you die? Do you want that? And my dad said, yeah, that's good news, man. Load it, load it up. You got the, like a double dose, whatever you got. <laughs> Fire it up, man. And in, and in Jesus' name, my dad accepted the Lord as his savior and he was born again. And I kid you not, born again. And it was one day, two days, three days, four days. Days went by and my dad realized, I haven't, I haven't gotten high this whole time. I've just been, I've just been full. I've been, I've been filled. Instantly broken and released from that fiend. Bill Mentor is in heaven now. His faith. to say, you know what, that's, that, that will get dealt with, okay? I'm, not, I'm, I'm convinced of it. What you need, though, is to follow him. It's two letters, two words. Follow Jesus. And when you decide to do that, everything else will find its place in your life. Read verse 27 with me again and just freak out a little bit inside about Jesus. After these things, he went out, man. He didn't stop, didn't slow down. He kept running, kept doing stuff. Well, he saw a tax collector named Levi, instead of ducking his head and going the other way, sitting at the tax office, he said to him, follow me, and he invited him, not just befriending sinners, but inviting him into his life. You would expect Jesus to walk by and just point at him and, and kind of like wag his nose, like, dude, you're blowing it, Levi. You know better, Levi. And Levi's like, oh, "I know." <laughs> <laughs> Jesus doesn't do that. Jesus is like, let's get into it. Let's do this. Get, let's come, come away. Did you know to follow somebody, you must leave something? It's just the nature of it. You know, in order to follow anything at all new, you must leave that which you were following before. Jesus doesn't articulate that. He says, follow me. And in so doing, look at verse 28. It says, so he left all, rose up, and followed him. That's the order. Now, I don't even know how you pragmatically leave all before you rise up in this case. did he look at his business partners and say, I'm leaving everything. I realize I cannot come back. When I stand up right now. When I make this decision, Rome will no longer recognize me in this position. Did you know that the fishermen could leave Jesus at any time and go back and be fishermen? There's not a a high requirement to be a fisherman in that community just go catch fish. To be a tax collector, you're done. You lost your contract. And so he breaks those relationships in order that he could rise and follow. So, too, in order to follow well, you've got to break off some of those relationships, those ideologies, those efforts, those energies that are leading to nowheresville. When I began to follow the Lord wholeheartedly, I began to realize that I needed to separate from these issues in my life, these relationships, these hobbies. And did you know that the friendship you get from Jesus Christ in doing so is worth it? Honestly, when Jesus says, follow me, and you leave everything, it really doesn't hurt because who Jesus is. If you get Jesus, it is a rush. It is an act of surrender, an act of submission. But when you step out on the water and say, all right, This thing that I've been holding on to, this habit or this hobby or this idea, this relationship. And the Lord says, follow me like, whoa, there's this crazy liberty, liberation that comes from, let's do this. I'm tired of the results I've been getting from this. This thing that I've been doing my whole life is not getting me where I want to go. And Jesus puts out the offer as a missionary. Come join my team if you want. It'll cost you something. You'll have to leave something I remember when I was in Ashland before I met Matt Rudazil and Jeremy Haskell, and the Lord was working in my life, and I was dealing drugs at the time, and I had amassed quite a bit of paraphernalia and stuff and scales and all the stuff that goes along with selling. I had a bunch of drugs as well, and the Lord got a hold of my heart. And so I had to walk away from those things. A lot of money involved. I just walked away. I remember I gave all my drug stuff away to all my friends. They were so stoked I got saved. (laughs) You know what I mean? I probably should have done something different with it. I should have flashed it. But everyone matures at a different rate. I didn't know. I didn't know. But, but I remember it. And my friends are like, what's going on? You're changing everything. Are you okay? I was like, I'm actually better than I've ever been. I'm actually feeling really good about this following Jesus thing. I have made huge mistakes. I have walked off the road and into the woods. And now the Lord, I hear his voice and he's calling me. And the only way to do that is to leave all, rise up, and to follow him. Look at verse 29. Levi goes all in right here. It says, then Levi, now he's following Jesus. What's he going to do? Gave him a great feast in his own house. And there were other, or there were a great number of tax collectors and others who sat down with them. All of a sudden, Levi is so impacted by Jesus that he becomes generous, he becomes fun, he becomes a missionary to his culture. He invites all his tax collector buddies, all his other buddies that weren't tax collectors, but you know that those who hung out with tax collectors were the wrong crowd to be with tattoos on their neck on the nine-year-olds, you know? Like, this was a rough crowd, people that probably smelled like booze or drugs. These are the people, and Jesus shows up, and Levi's like, everyone, everyone, everyone! I want you to meet my new friend, Jesus! We're gonna read the next verse. The religious people, the police are like, what is happening? Jesus would say, I'm here fulfilling my mission. doing exactly what I came to do, to pay for the sins of the whole world, To not just save sinners, but to befriend them, to invite them into my circle, to change their lives. The evidence of a life changed is seen in the hospitality and in the energy and in the service that is seen from that individual. Levi is a changed man. Right away he wants to have people over. Let's have people over. Did you know that having people over is work? Have anybody figured this out yet? You get people over, you gotta buy food, man, you gotta buy new carpet when they leave, and you gotta, you know, you gotta buy, you know, volunteers to take care of kids, and you gotta get security team. If these people are coming over, you're gonna lose all your stuff. You know, it's a big deal. Having people over, all of a sudden Levi is both walking with Jesus, but he's also involved in community. He's involved in outreach, he's involved in fellowship, he starts a life group. This guy's been a believer for like 25 minutes, he's already on mission trips in his own house, he's doing life groups, we need more Levites who are getting touched by Jesus in such a way where they respond, as rough as it may have been. It attracted the police. Pharisees and scribes show up. Start handing out tickets. You can't do it this way. You can't do it this way. You're having way too much fun. You have way too much generosity flowing here. Levi goes all in. I just want to be more like Levi, okay? He's so stoked on who Jesus is and what he's learning that he invites all his tax-collecting, beer-drinking, sinful friends to his house to have a life group. And I'll tell you what. This, this spontaneity gets lost as you get older in Christianity. My advice to anybody who's a Christian here today is to show up early Stay late and say yes to everything. Be excited about what God's doing. Invite people to Jesus. Invite people to Jesus. Invite people to Jesus. You might have a story or two or 10 or 100 like I do. Got got a couple hundred stories. Cool. What about what's next? You still doing it? Eh, I don't know. Yes. Jesus is our model. Throws a huge party to introduce people to Jesus. Now, here's the deal. The church goes down in history with a lot of stereotypes. Okay, Generosity and fun is not two of them, just so you guys know. Church has all kinds of stereotypes going against it. Generosity and fun. Here, Levi is being generous to his non-believers, and he's creating a fun environment. Now, let me just underscore this, lest I forget to say it. There's partying going on. There's over-drinking. There's eating. Jesus is not doing any of that, but he's around people that are. Okay, just so you know, Jesus did not overeat as a glutton would and go crazy. He did not overdrink as somebody who would abuse this type of uh, uh, um, activity, but he was around those who did in order to heal them and deliver them from those activities. He was a missionary who left his throne in order to come into our homes, and Levi did the exact same thing. Now, let's do this. Let's be fun. Let's be generous. Let's be a little edgy. We kind of do our best to follow this same line here at South Beach Church. We love to be generous. We love to just give away money and buy people what they need in times of need. And we use discernment and we have systems and all the rest. But we just we like to be generous. It's not our money. It's God's money. Okay? And we like to just give and help where we can help. We like to have fun, too, because we believe God is fun. As a matter of fact, last Christmas Eve, we had three services on Christmas Eve, which is, by the way, the celebration of someone's birthday. What's his name again? Jesus, Jesus' birthday party. And so we had three services and we had a service at two and four and six and the place packed out. We try and celebrate as best as we can Jesus' birthday and have fun. Pastor Matt, he's been wanting Hollywood style snow at our East, at our Christmas Eve services for like years now. We keep saying no, no. And finally we said, okay, let's get snow to celebrate Jesus' birthday. So we have these snowmakers right here that are assembled just for Jesus' birthday. So we could celebrate and have snow flying out on Christmas Eve to celebrate Jesus' birthday because it's fun (sighs) oh and the religious police oh someone's gonna slip and fall on that oh you know whatever the case or whatever the case is I just I I wonder if Jesus is doing this on purpose I wonder if this story oh yeah he healed the man with leprosy he healed the man that was paralyzed he dealt with the demoniac he continued to go to church all these things that we should do too But then here, he goes and gets involved in this man's life, and it's a little edgy. He goes to his house for a party, and the people around him begin to attack him for doing so. Really though, I love Levi's response. I want you guys to be so excited about Jesus. He's our hero, really, but I also want us to learn a lot from Levi as he invited all his friends over on Sundays we do what's called the air war here Where we preach the service and a lot of people get reached And there's stuff going out over the internet And you can go on iTunes and type in South Beach Church And listen to the same teaching over and over and over And just a lot of, a lot of this But then there's Monday through Saturday Which is called the ground war Where there are relationships And there are small groups and life groups And there are discipleship groups And there are friendships and there's coffee And there's people that exercise together And there's just, there's just life Did you know that that's on y'all? the ground war, that's on you guys. Because Jesus is real. You see, there's this problem in our culture today that wants to get all we can and can all we get and then sit on the can. And we think that's what life's all about. As a matter of fact, we treat our places that we live, our homes, as these false functional heavens where we just want to hibernate and protect ourselves from from the big bad world. What if God's given to you a house or an apartment or a condo or a room you rent? What if God's given to you a car? That would be awesome. What if God's given to you a dining room table? But what if you never use your house or your car or your dining room table to disciple somebody? What if you never use any of that to lead someone to Jesus? What if you never open up your house ever, ever, ever for someone to come in and cry and to be prayed for and to receive mercy? What in the world are you living for? Jesus is messing everybody's minds up right here. The disciples here he had are like, Jesus, you're going too far. The religious police, Jesus, you're going too far. Jesus on purpose, one of his mighty miracles, calling Levi, going to this house, this house party, where things that were happening were immoral. And Jesus, he says, I'm here, not to justify that, but to fix that. There are sick people in this house. That is why I'm here. You who are Christians here today were sick and are now healed. Oh, cool. What for? To administer healing to others. To invite people into your life that nobody's going to go after. Everyone wants to bypass. Nobody wants to be involved in. But if Jesus is real, this changes everything. I was walking into Fred Myers about five months ago. Had a Jesus is real t-shirt on. I was walking in and there was a woman, homeless woman, sitting in the bus stop there bigger gal with red hair, most of you have seen her, she's one of our local homeless gals, and she looked up, I thought she might be sleeping, she looked up and saw my Jesus' is real shirt, got real excited, yelled at me, Jesus real, is Jesus real, got up off her chair and started coming out to me, thought I was going to get a hug or something, is Jesus real, how about some fried chicken, and I said, what, and I got <laughs> by myself, I was like, you want some fried chicken? Yeah, Jesus is real. Was, and she told me about a special they were having in the deli there that day. She wanted, I said, That's no bra. I said, I'll be right back with your fried chicken because Jesus is real. You know how I got my groceries and bought her fried chicken and gave it to her. If Jesus is real, you're going to get involved in people's lives that you might not normally get involved with. You may have done this. This may be your history. You might have a Rodney story. You might have a a time where you went outside of your comfort zone. Listen, Levi finds Jesus, invites people into his life to find Jesus. What are you doing here? How are you living your life? What is the point? Why did God give you a car, a job, a voice, a shirt that says Jesus is real? To be available. If you leave this service and just put your intent up and say, Lord, make me available, Jesus didn't call every single body into his inner circle. He called the ones that God called him to. Jesus will use you one person at a time, one week at a time, one month at a time, one event at a time. Don't grow weary in well-doing. Open up your home. Start a life group this year. Maybe in the fall we'll do a life group push, get three or four more started. Buy in. Do it for six months. We're just going to host it for six months and take a break, check ourselves into the loony bin. Get out, get healed, do it again. Reach out to people that need Jesus. The ground war, it's what we do. It's who we are. The people in Levi's house are not the ones that are going to church at this time. You realize that, right? These aren't the church boys, the church gals, okay? These are the ones wearing, you know, clear high heels, and they got some track marks. They're trying to find a bed in recovery, and these are the ones that nobody, this is who he's got, and Levi's involved in their lives still. We have dozens, it's a good word of people here in South Beach Church that are still involved in people's lives in Lincoln County that are hurting for certain, okay? I see them here today, right now. You guys know where you've been. You were Levi's, and now you have a hand in that pool still pulling people out, inviting them to NA, inviting them to Celebrate Recovery, inviting them to your life group, inviting them to South Beach Church, inviting them to South Beach Church Clean Team on Saturdays, inviting them to whatever you can invite them to. That's why you live. That's why you're Jesus came to save us. I'm so stoked. But he also came to model what a life well lived looks like. Now, Jesus was a rabbi. I just need to wrap this point up real quick. Rabbis would assemble their teams and they would call from the scribes and from Sadducees and Pharisees. They would call the religious elite. That's who they would gather. Jesus isn't doing that. Jesus shows up uh, on purpose to bust apart the religious ideologies. Matter of fact, look what these guys say in verse 30 and 30. 1 and 32, and when their scribes and the Pharisees complained against his disciples, saying, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Again, what would Jesus do, and why did he do it? Why didn't you pick us? Did you know that in that day, and I I can't develop this, just hear it. In that day, you would have certain scribes that would work for certain villages and families. They would actually be like you were paid pastor scribes, and they would be the, the letters of the law and Pharisees. They would actually work for you. And to have a, an inner uh, relationship with a Pharisee or with a scribe, you would actually pay money and you would actually support them. There's this whole kind of pecking order. You ever been part of a pecking order? Okay, maybe in your family or in, a, in school or at work or on a sports team, and you're just like, you're not very high up on that pecking order. The spiritual climate then was all about a pecking order, and then Jesus showed up. And Jesus like, yeah, I'm going to call my, my dream team. I'm going to call my apostles, not the B apostles, the apostles. These are the, these are the guys. And he gets the four fishermen, and then he goes after this cat, Levi. And the Pharisees and the scribes and the Sadducees and the other rabbis, what are you doing? You can't pick from that pool. And Jesus answers this way, verse 31 and 32, Jesus answered and said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. See, Jesus had called everyone to repent, both Pharisees, Sadducees, scribes, and also these sinners, because there's no such thing as a non-sinner. You know that, right? Okay? There's just those who sin differently. And when these guys said, Why are you hanging out with sinners? The irony of the question: Well, I came to this earth to save sinners. But the ones that are gonna get saved are the ones that know they need it. The ones who check themselves into the clinic that go to the doctor are the ones that feel it. You don't just go frequent the doctor on your best days. So I just wanna see what's going on here. No, no. You go to the doctor, you go to the hospital when you're sick. Jesus here is ministering to those who knew their needs. He wasn't afraid of the down and out, the uttermost and the guttermost. And Jesus is calling them to repent. I need to end this message with that. Jesus will meet you right where you're at. Yes. And he will call you from it. And he will say, repent of this. Set that down. This hasn't got you where you want to go. This has taken from you more than you can afford. It's kept you longer than you wanted to stay. This sin, this rebellion, this stupid stuff, whatever it is, it is not giving you what you want. Repent. And the same message is true today. In any condition you find yourself today, whether high and lofty, long-nosed, sin sniffer, (laughs) the Lord would say, repent. Come on, get off your high horse. There's nobody. Repent. Get on my, come here. Repent. Repent. And the Lord will open up your eyes. Or maybe you're here and you're all jacked up and your life's out of control. The Lord will give you the same invitation to repent, to leave that lifestyle and to follow Jesus. Not just to walk away from your sin, but to follow God. I'm going to have the worship team come up and he's going to lead us, Jesse is, in a song of repentance. A lot we can learn from today's lesson. It's only three or four verses. I want you to read it again later today, otherwise you'll forget everything that you just heard. The hero is Jesus. As he calls Levi, though, Levi's response is perfect. Levi follows him, leaves all, rises up, yes. To do what? To throw a party. So others would taste and see that the Lord is good. So others would come to know him like my dad was led to the Lord by Bill Mentor. Like I was pursued by so many people along my path. And I believe that today, God will lead us through the day and into tomorrow and into next week. And he'll use us. If you would just say, Lord, use me. Are there any Levi's in my path? Any people that I need to minister to, to pursue, to invite into my home? It's going to cost you something. But it's going to be worth it. I'm going to ask you guys to bow your heads and close your eyes as we prepare to take communion together as one. Father, in Jesus' name now. We want to simply respond to that invitation to follow you. Because in so doing, we believe as Christians, as we follow you, we'll be energized to run the last .2 miles of the marathon. That as we follow you, we'll be reminded of what in the world we're even to be doing. Why you gave us a house or a car? Why you gave us a voice? Why you gave us hands? Why you gave us something? Why you gave us lots of money? Why you gave us what you gave us? It's to be generous. To be fun and celebrate Jesus and see how they're saved. So if you're here today and you want to follow Jesus, I believe there's two camps. There are those who have never followed Jesus. You haven't done it yet. You're the Levi who's still collecting taxes, still doing stuff your own way. But you want to follow Jesus today. and You want to rise up from your stuff, leaving it behind and following him. That's you. I want you to raise your hand right now. Right now, put it up high. I want to follow Jesus Christ. I don't want to keep doing the same stuff. I need help. I need to follow you, Jesus. Raise up your hand nice and high right now. I'm not looking, but I want you and the Lord to connect right now in Jesus' name. Leave your hand up. And if you're here and you are following Jesus, but maybe you forgot the mission, maybe you're a crusty Christian, maybe you're just forgetful, maybe you're selfish, maybe you're prideful, but you want to follow Jesus too. You don't want to blow it you want to throw a house party or two to see people saved, would you just raise your hand right now to make yourself available to follow Jesus? Raise that nice and high. Don't be prideful. Pride doesn't get you anywhere. Raise your hand, Christian. Say, I want to follow Jesus. And Lord, may you inspire us and impact us. Save those who raised their hands who are outside the camp. Deal with their sin, Lord, once and forever. And Lord, for us who have a proclivity to slow down, get inward and get weird Lord we want to follow you whether we're buying fried chicken for somebody or whether we're looking to replace our carpet because it got trashed over the summer or whether we need to replace the upholstery in our car because we have so many passengers may we follow Jesus Christ's example what it looks like as we follow him and as we ask others to follow us may they follow us to meet Jesus Christ Thank you, Lord. As we come to the table, you can put your hands down. As we come to the table, we do so celebrating the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ that makes all of this possible. Lord, we trust you to lead us, to bless us, and to use us. Whether it's in Fiji or in Ashland or elsewhere, you're going to use us. We trust you in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Would you all stand with me? And when you're ready to take communion, the communion tables are open. Come down the center aisles. Take your communion out the side aisles, back to your chairs. There's people on my right and left to pray for you during this time of response as well.